1: Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody, and thank you, Mike Ross, for that fine introduction. Welcome to Leaf Guy, Episode 10, Season 3. Jim Taddy with you for the next half hour or so. Dave McCarthy from NHL.com, SiriusXM, is our special guest this week with his analysis on a fine Maple Leaf month of November. Before we get there... Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game. Get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code THPN. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. Alright, on to the hockey story. And according to my calculations, the Leafs played 15 games in November. Their record, 11, 1, and 3. You remember when the month started? Everybody said, well, a year ago, the Leafs stumbled out of the starting gate, went into November, went 12 and 2, and looked Dynamite, they had a great season. There's no question about that, but there were some warts there that really didn't solve them, and that resulted in a first-round exit although it was an impressive performance in the first round, but they didn't get through, and that is the judgment line for this hockey team. This year, as I detailed, 11-1-3, and I'm going to suggest to you that last year's November was great. This year's November was better. I like how they played. There's a lot of similar games here. There's a couple of outliers, a 5-2 win in Pittsburgh, a 5-2 win against Buffalo, but a lot of these games are 3-2, 4-2, 3-1. You get the drift, and the difference for me is this. This version of the Maple Leafs is sort of playing within the game and figuring out what to do while the game's on and finding a way to win. Last year's November, as impressive as it was, this was a team that tightened up defensively, rode some expert goaltending from Jack Campbell to a great month. Unfortunately, it couldn't be duplicated after that. What I'm trying to tell you is, in my opinion, this November is much more legitimate. Well, we had a conversation with Dave McCarthy on this subject. He's from NHL dot com and Sirius XM, and here is that conversation.
2: They were twelve and two last November and everybody was happy about that. This November, according to my records, they're eleven one and three. I want to know if you think this one, because of playing through the entries and how they won these games, is actually more legitimate than last year's.
0: Well, oh, I, I think it's it's certainly um, as impressive, if not more, for the reason that you, you pointed out. Um, when TJ Brody went down there two, three weeks ago, and then Morgan Riley gets hurt, Jake Muzzin's already out of the lineup, and even Jordy Benz, right, who played quite well uh, when he came back into the lineup, and, and then he got hurt again after four or five games. and And you're down to a group of defense that, like, really... If Rasmus Sandine, Timothy Lilligren, You thought, okay, maybe in a perfect world they'll be your your third pairing. Well, by the end of the month, they were you know, the the second, if not top, pairing, and they've performed quite well. I think Mark Giordano has been uh, an absolute godsend for this team. Quite honestly, a guy that legitimately asked for less money in the off season. Right? They were they were willing to pay him more, and he was like, no, no, no. No, give me a little less. I want to help the team out. Uh from the Cap standpoint. And then he has come out and he's played the way that he has. Um, he has looked like a number one defenseman. Uh he's helped settle Justin Hall's game down. And then you've you've gotten a look at some of the younger players that you've gotten in your system, uh, namely Mac Holliwell, who threw a few games here. Has looked pretty good offensively. He's got some good instincts. We saw it again on uh, on Wednesday on his slap pass set up there to Austin the Matthews, who he seems to have a really good relationship with as well. Um, so so he's acquitted himself fairly well. And now what you've seen is I think a commitment to a system amongst this group that, regardless of who is in the lineup, they're executing. And they are living up to that that mantra of next man up. And, you know, they've said that for a lot of years, but it doesn't quite work out that way. And a lot of teams like, you know, for instance, Boston, uh, they're able to to do that. Tampa Bay, somebody goes down, somebody steps in, the train just keeps chugging along. And and here it has in Toronto. Now the question will be once guys get back in the lineup, the Brodies, the Riley's, can they avoid that letdown? Um, as teams tend to have, as Boston did, right? When when Marshawn and McEvill and Grizzly got back in the lineup, their train just kept chugging along. So that'll be the next test. Um, but from where this team was at the the end of October compared to where they are today, it's amazing how the tenor of the conversation, uh, certainly amongst fans and media, has changed, and for the better.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, I'm of the opinion that sometimes... Things happen because they have to. And in this particular case, uh, through injury, they had to play a certain way. And the hope is that when everybody gets back, they continue on that team. But this is a different-looking team. I think if you went back exactly a year ago, they felt that defensive responsibility and good goaltending were the answers, uh, only part of the answers. Uh, this team, when you go through a lot of their games, they're eerily similar. Sometimes there's stretches where they don't look dominating, but they find a way. And I love, love what you said about Geo and and Hollowell. Hollowell has certainly offensive upside. I don't know exactly where that uh, goes long term, but without Geo, uh, this team would be in desperate shape. Uh, it's just it's marvelous to have a former Norris Trophy-winning defenseman on your last pairing who could then go up to your top pairing and settle everybody down. Those are great pluses.
0: No, they really are, and he's playing like a number one defenseman, right? Not just a guy who's playing number one minutes. You understand what I mean? Like there's a difference yeah. there, um, and he looks he looks fantastic. So he's been it's been really good. Uh I think look the, the way the team is playing right now, you know, as you said, it's compelled them to play a certain way. They're not running around blowing teams out 4-1, 5-2 every night, 6-1, whatever it is. They're playing a way in which you can win consistently. Um during the regular season, certainly more importantly during the playoffs, um their big guys are still Producing fairly well. Matthews is starting to come on now. He's scoring three games in a row. Um, Willie Nylander's been really good, really, really good all year long. John Tavares looks like the guy that he was when they signed him a few years ago rather than the guy the last couple of years who we were all worried had lost a step. And no more need be said about Mitch Marner, what he's doing right now. 18 games in a row with a point. It's just It's outrageous how well the guy's playing. So they're all playing well. But 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 there's more to their games. Not not their games individually, but the game of the team. There's more to it. Um and I think that's that's really important. Now here's the, the, the funny thing. In the playoffs the last few years against um Tampa last year and against Montreal the year before that and Columbus the year before that, defensively it really wasn't much of an issue to me. Like I didn't have a lot of concerns about the way they played defensively. The issues in the playoffs were when push came to shove and all the chips were in the middle of the table, 34, 16, 88, 91, they couldn't score, right? Those guys couldn't score when it mattered most. So, you know, we won't find out the answer to that until the playoffs, but the way that the the group is playing right now as a group, um, and I think maybe because of the injuries, have compelled them to to alter their game a little bit. I think it, in in a roundabout way, will end up being a very positive thing, because by and large here they've they've weathered the the injury storm and kept themselves not just afloat, but they've surged up the standings in spite of it.
2: Yeah, I think there was a, I'm going to call it a deferral, uh, sort of a, a a default that the team had even as as close as a year ago, where um, they would be defensively sound, which was part of the uh, learning curve, but they would wait for certain things to happen. This team that we're covering now – doesn't really wait for things to happen. Uh, there's good puck pursuit. There's good forecheck. And if you went back over the last couple of games, you see goals in there that there was the result of good puck pursuit and, and causing turnovers and capitalizing. Certainly, the inkball goal Wednesday night is a good example yeah. of a you know, working-class goal that, that has a nice finish on it. Uh, and, and so they're, they're creating opportunities as opposed to looking for the highlight reel goal, which was always a concern with his team. So, you know, defensively sound and, and and goaltending is great, but I like what's happening up front.
0: I do. I think that's a great example you bring up, the the Engvall goal. That happened because David Camp was in good position in the offensive zone too, right? Like he recognized yeah. when the play was over and he got on his horse and he started to work his way back. Um, and then because of that, he was in position to intercept what really, let's be honest here, was, was a horrendous decision. By Thomas Hurdle to to try across the ice path there in the neutral zone, really with no zip on it. I mean, it was it was a muffin of all time. Um, yeah, he he took it really hard last night too. He said it was it was all my fault that we we didn't get two points. But at the end of the day, it only was a turnover because David Camp was in the right position and he was working hard to get back. Um, and then they turn it around and and score. So that that's not a highlight, real goal. That's a hard work goal. And yep. and that's what, what leads me to have a little bit of confidence that, you know, come later in the season and into the playoffs, uh, they will be able to to push past because those are the types of goals that you need in the playoffs. So those hard work you can't you can't rely on highlight reel goals all the time in a postseason. Um and the way they played in, in past years, there wasn't enough of that kind of work that, that put them in positions like Camp was last night, uh, to turn a mistake. Um, into a goal. If he, if he's not in good position, you know that pass gets through, and San Jose's off to the races. And who knows what's happening. So, um, yeah, I, I I will say that uh, I don't have an issue with the top six right now. Other than I, I just still do think they need a, a forward um, yeah. to play. Uh, you know, probably on the Tavares line with whoever it is is on his wing. And Martyr moved up to Matthews' line at the end of last night. But whoever it is, I think they need another. They did a left winger on that that line with Tavares, but you know the uh, the the bottom six, you know it's it's okay. I haven't haven't minded uh, haven't minded David Camp's game at all. You know he doesn't score a lot, but it's funny. What Sheldon Keith said a, few, a month or so ago. It's funny when he does score, when he does you get on the score sheet. It always seems to be at an important time, right? And yeah. it, and again, it was <laughs> on Wednesday. So. um yeah, the way the way they're looking right now, y- you have to be really uh, impressed and 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 feeling confident in the group. As as Sheldon pointed out last night, he said we have a lot of confidence with our group right now, and he said I think we should, and I'm, I agree with him. They they absolutely should.
2: Well, uh, you know, a couple points. Uh, I want to go back to what you said about the left side of the Tavares line. Uh, I'm going to throw this at you. They need a left winger for that line and that left-winger is not in their system or on their current team. Would you agree with that?
0: Oh, without question. Without question. Because, I mean, the only other guy that could be the answer to that question that is in in the system right now, because Alex Kerfoot's been tried in that role, he has not been good enough. Um, Callie Arncross has been tried in that role. Now he's out for... Extended period of time. We're not sure how long quite yet, but he'll be out. And, and I still think the the team is in a better position when he's when he's down the lineup a little bit, lengthens the lineup. So I don't think he's really the answer there. Um, and Nick Robertson, I'm sorry, it's, it's just not the answer. He, I don't know what's going on there, but um, there seems to be either some sort of stall in his development um, or regression or whatever it is, because you know he looked good in training camp but i haven't seen it yet in the regular season first shift last night you know horrendous turnover where it was the end of a shift and it puck's at the blue line and he kind of just blindly swings and swats at it rather than making a strong play and putting it in the corner um hit the the defenseman in the shin pads and he's off to the races with a breakaway a minute and change into the game and forced Ilya Samsonov to come up with a with a really good save. I mean, that's just not the type of play that you can make if you're Nick Roberts and you finally get back in the lineup first shift of the game. It's not nearly good enough. So um, I, I think Nick has got to go back to the AHL. He's got to play like 30 games here and build his confidence back up because it looks, to me, when I watch him, it looks like he is, one, lacking confidence. Two, is frustrated in in terms of of the decisions that you see him making on the like just not making good decisions I and mean, he looks visibly frustrated to me at times he's got to go down I think play 30 games build his confidence back up um see if he can get his game back in order you know and the other thing is Jim like teams that win win Stanley Cups they don't do it with with rookies and their top six they just they just do not do that very often so yeah, the 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 answer to that question is that guy, whoever it is, he is not in the system right now. and I think that'll be really Kyle Dubas's target number one. Uh ahead of the defenseman, to be honest with you, I think, in advance of the deadline to go out and see if he can figure out how to acquire that.
2: Yeah, I mean, all things equal. With everybody healthy on that blue line, it will put Jake Muzzin off to the side, even without him. That's a pretty deep blue line, so there are assets there that can be moved. I think one of the bigger issues, whoever plays left side, on a Tavares line, regardless of if it's Nylander or Marner on the right side, uh, you have to be able to come up with a lot of puck pursuit. And you're not going to compete with Tavares in his winger for offensive ability. I mean, those guys are, that's what they're there for. That's That really explains the bunting role on, on the Matthews line. He figured out a way how to contribute to the other two, and I think that's what's lacking on the left side of Tavares.
0: Yeah, like Nick Robertson is not a puck retriever, really. That's not his game. He's a shooter. And I don't think he, you know his game lends toward that. Um, but you don't need a shooter on that line. You're you're paying one guy 11 sheets a year, and you're paying another guy seven sheets a year on that line. If it's Nylander, to shoot the puck. Um, so I just I I haven't seen the fit there really, and I haven't seen a willingness to adapt his game. I, but I again I don't I haven't seen much else to Robertson's game other than being a shooter. His, sh- his shot is elite. His shot is really, really good, but I haven't seen anything else there in his game, so I just don't see a fit there. Um, you know, but you're right. that's the type of guy that they need. Alex Kirk, I haven't been able to fill that role really either. Um, to me, good enough. but But in saying that, you also, I think, need a guy from from outside the organization who is already a guy that's kind of fulfilling that role elsewhere. It's going to be difficult to find, but like I don't think the Leafs need a guy that they they look at and say, you know what, on on our team we can plug him in here and he'll be better than that. Like I just I think there's too much hope there. I think you know, once and for all, they need to put in a guy like um, like I don't know Nick Foligno maybe a few years ago if he hadn't gotten hurt. It's unfortunate how that that transpired because it, I thought he was on your show said they should go out and get him. And then it yeah. was just hurt, and it, it never really worked out. But if he had not, like he had been playing the way he is this year in Boston, it would have been perfect. Um, so they they need a guy where there's your, there's some level of assurance what you're getting um, when you bring him in. I think.
2: Yeah, and that could be a veteran on an expiring contract at the trade yeah. deadline. I mean, I would look at that as the final piece. Uh, hopefully, it's it's a good fit. I mean, it's a bit of a gamble late in the season to do that but you know Stanley Cup winners have done that in the past I, I think it's an overview to what we're describing here if you think back to um, how you would describe the leaps in the past it was um, you know I'm going to try this play and it's going to be a highlight reel goal or that doesn't work give me a stretch pass and we'll try and, and dazzle the opposition to uh, the way they play now is they're either in position for the turnover as was uh, evidenced by camp on the, the winning goal last night or they have puck pursuit and create the turnover. Yeah. This is a totally different look, isn't it?
0: Well, that's what Miss marner has been doing really well. Um, not flying through the neutral zone at a million miles an hour and four guys, but hounding pucks. We saw it in Detroit, uh where where he was really good in, in that area on Monday. Um, you know, caused a turnover, got to GEO, got up the ice, demanded the puck and and scored so it's it's that type of play which to me is is quote-unquote the right way to play um and teams that that have success play that that type of a way because you know and it look look at another team that's having success doing that this year is the new jersey devils they play with speed they play with pace they're right on top of you as soon as you get the puck they create turnovers you're out of position and then they use their speed and they're off to the races. Um, and and they never lose games. <laughs> they just don't. Um, you know, so and in and, and talking to some of the Leafs, like John Tavares said that to me after the two Jersey games. He's like, we haven't played a team that does the things that I just said uh, better than this New Jersey team. And that's a really difficult style to play against because there's no, there's no off time. You can't rest when you're on the ice against a team that plays that way because you have no time. Puck's on your stick, guy on top, you better make a decision or you're turning it over. It's not you get the puck, oh, look around, okay, I got a second here, okay, up the board, nothing like that. And, and it's hard to play that way. It's, it, you have to commit to it. You got to decide you want to do it. But if you do and you can execute that type of play consistently, it's going to lead you to success because it's just really difficult a difficult style to play against.
2: Well, if you think about it with the rules the way they are, that's how and this is easier done than said. That's how everybody should play, but it's hard to find an entire roster and New Jersey certainly has that that can do that.
0: Yeah, it, it is, right? Because if you're not if you're not in in perfect position, what ends up happening is uh, you get on, onto a guy, but you're like a half-step late, and suddenly yeah. you're you're behind the guy, and then what happens? You're reaching with your stick, and the referee's arm is going up in the air. So um, it, there is a fine line there. You have to have one, the skill set to do it. you got to have foot speed. By and large, at least have guys with foot speed. Um, and, and then, like I said, it comes down to your commitment. If you're not committed to playing that way, and you're not – uh, fully invested in 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 pursuing the puck uh, properly, that's what's going to happen. You're going to end up behind the play. So um, it, again, it's difficult to play that way, but they've been showing a willingness to do. And I think it's a way that, frankly, you have to play when you're missing some skill, especially on your back end. Because what the, the what the blue liners have been saying, like Mark Giordano was telling me this the other day, the um, the, the forwards and the way that they have played. Has really, really helped out the back end. Um, either one getting back, causing turnovers. Uh, two being available for us as soon as we get the puck deep in the zone for an outlet pass, and not one to the red line, like we seem to talk about. Um, you know, two or three years ago, I, I remember uh, folks, including myself, writing stories about stretch passes and, and, oh. and how uh, it's like, holy cow. Like, and I was just rolling my eyes. It's like, this is not going to work because stretch pass to a team that uh, plays positionally sound, uh, what stretch pass means is pick off city. Um, yeah. It doesn't work. Um, what, what what Gio was talking about was like short little five six eight ten 10 foot passes uh, to get me out of trouble because there's a forward available and then suddenly now we've, we've sidestepped the defense or, you know, the, the opposition. And now they're chasing the play because we're moving up the ice collectively as a group. So the forwards really deserve a lot of credit for the way that they've played defensively, which has helped out an undermanned blue line that, is, that has ultimately led to success as, as a whole. And I think there's a lot, lot to be said for that. And when a guy like Gio is telling me that, um, you know, who's been around for, you know, since the beginning of time, like he recognizes what is good play and what is, what is hope play. And, you know, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with him. When you watch and you, you look for that type of thing, like you see it time and time again um, throughout the course of a game.
2: Okay, let's play a he split yes yes-guy-no-guy no guy on the way out. Yes-guy-no-guy no guy number one. This November, much more legitimate than last November.
0: Yes-guy, yes-guy. Uh, the goaltending has been just as good as Jack Campbell was last year, um, but not necessarily in the way that Jack Campbell had to be um, and the way in which they were winning games, which was, by and large, scoring a ton of goals. Um, so we've talked about... The system play, um, all of that. Uh, the goaltending's look good. Uh, you know, way more, way more legitimate yes guy than than last November.
2: Okay, almost uh, stepped into my second yes guy no guy. So here we go, yes guy no guy.
0: The goaltending tandem.
2: And I'm actually going to put Schalbert in there as well.
0: The three goaltenders,
2: sure. a major strength on this team.
0: Yes, yes. Can you imagine, yes guy? Can you imagine if I? <laughs> got to play the Um <laughs> Can you imagine if I had told you, Jim, at the beginning of October, you know, here's how it's going to go for the first seven weeks of the year. Matt is going to play lousy in Game One, then get hurt in the morning skate, then miss a month. Um, in that time, Elias Samsonov is then going to miss about three weeks to a month. Uh, Eric Shawgren's going to play a bunch of games, and in saying all that goaltending is going to be a strength. You would have said, you're all right, guy. You better get a second opinion, right? <laughs> yes, um, yes. <laughs> but but that's, that's just the truth of the matter, right? That's exactly yes. what's happened. But goaltending has, in fact, been a strength. And I think uh, I'm confident in saying right now that, you know, I don't know who's going to be between the fights on any given day because I haven't been able to recalibrate my mind in, in, in that sense in, in terms of being confident that, everybody's going to be healthy throughout the rest of the year. But you're hoping that one of them will be available on any given night. And as long as there's one of them available, I'm confident that on that night, they're going to be able to be good enough um, to make the stops that they need to make. And then in a lot of cases this year, oftentimes, the stops that you don't expect them to make. Goaltending has been oddly, not in the way you would have thought it would be, but in reality, a strength.
2: Yes, guy, no guy number three. Blue line depth can be used in a trade later on.
0: Ooh, Ooh, no guy. That's a, I would oh, really? Say, yeah, yeah. I would oh. say no guy because while while we've seen they have depth uh, in a playoff run, ten you, you tend to use eight, sometimes nine guys. Um, and what we've seen here is they've used, um, they've used a handful. I think 11, if memory serves correct. Okay. But let's see what we've got right here. Once, once Brody and Riley get back in the lineup, that's two. Uh, again, I think we got to put Muzz on the side because I, I don't think yeah. he's coming back. Yeah. So you, you put, uh, Riley, you put, uh, Brody back in the lineup. Um that bumps everybody down. So then who comes out? Well, Hollowell and Mete. Um yep. Mete's not N- Mete's not getting you anything in a trade. Like I'm sorry, he's just not. Like you know what he is. Um he's he's been around the league. Ottawa's tried and like, It's he is what he is. He's a he's a depth guy at best, uh, but a good depth guy. So there's there's no real trade value there. Um Mac Hollowell You know, does he get you anything? I think the jury's, it's much too early to make a call like that. Um, You know, then after that, you're looking at uh, Sandine Lilligren. I don't think I really want to trade either one of those guys because what have we been yelling about for the last two years? That, man, you know what, for the Leafs to go anywhere, they need a guy like Sandine and they need a guy like Lilligren to really grow into their role and play like first-round picks. Yeah. So now they've now they've done that, and and that's that's critical for this team, so that you don't have a black hole on your third pair. You've got like not just good enough, but um, upper tier play on your third pair, if that's what it comes down to. Um, you know, does Justin Hall get you anything of, of of tangibility? I don't know, and I think you you, you don't he, he's playing good right now. And and I don't think you really want to weaken your depth to the point where maybe you're just an injury away from suddenly your fifth or sixth defenseman not being nearly good enough. So no guy. I would say that, that uh, back-end help, I would not trade. Um, what I would look at is, again, um, I would send Nick Roberts to the American Hockey League yesterday. I would give him a run of 30 games. I'd see where his game is at. I'd give him another test, you know, two or 3 weeks before the trade deadline, and and then I'd assess harshly and critically maybe where where they're at with his game. And if they just don't see a fit, I still think he's the guy that could get you something. He's the guy that I'd look at moving for one uh there may not be a fit to, I think he'll actually be able to get you something in a trade, unlike the, the, the depth on the blue line could.
2: Okay, I like that answer. Let's end on this. Yes guy no guy, Sheldon Keith should be applauded.
0: Oh yes guys. <laughs> um I <laughs> I think he has he is very expertly um navigated what were really tumultuous waters Uh, a month ago. Maybe not so much in the media. A little too much talky-talk at times, I'll tell you. Um, That was the one thing about uh, Babs that he had down to a science. It was like four minutes. Then he mastered the art of the Willie Nylander lean-off on the last question. And then as soon as that answer was over with, he was out the door. None of this talk for 12 minutes. And while I like that as a media member, um, if I was the Leafs PR, I would be telling Sheldon, you got to tighten that up. Because what ends up happening is after four minutes, uh, we do the, what do you think of this guy? What do you think of that guy? What do you think of this guy? What do you think of that guy? You can't do that. You can't do that two times a day, five days a week. It's just too much. End up doing – and then you end up putting yourselves in tight spots. So that, not as good. But the buttons that he's pushed uh, in-game, I think, has been really impressive. Um, He's been constantly tinkering with the lines, but I think out of necessity – um, and he's been finding recipes that have worked. He took Marner away from Matthews ultimately, and that kind of revitalized things up front. Um, you know, it, it got Marner going. It got, uh, it got Matthews going again with Nylander. They found something. Uh, bunting, uh, because of that. that line with Marner and Matthews, it stalled a little bit. Bunting wasn't doing anything. Now that, that line with uh, Matthews, Nylander, and Bunting, it started to roll here for the last uh, eight games or so. Um, you know, uh he he's found a way to to cobble together a blue line. He put Jordana with Hall, maybe more so at a necessity than anything else, but it's settled Hall's game down. And Geo has been fantastic. Um and, and he's put Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren as a pairing in positions to succeed. And by and large, they have rewarded him. Um I think Sheldon Keith's done a really, really good job and it that's tough because you know i, I don't have any uh, insight on, on in terms of what was being said behind closed doors in the manager's office, but you have to imagine there was some level of 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 tenseness a month ago where yeah. things were going um and you have to, and I got the sense that at times in in the media he was sheldon was was talking in a way that it was almost like he was trying to find answers out loud. But um, he steered the ship back to better waters here. So I think, you know, you, you can't just crap on the guy when the team's going badly. I think you've got to get him credit when the team's going good. And they, they went good not just for a stretch here, but an entire month. Last minute of play in this podcast.
1: Well, thank you, Mike Ross, for that time warning so we can squeeze in a supplemental yes-guy-no-guy no guy on the way out. It doesn't matter who scores or how many goals they have. Finally, oh, yes, guy, we've been waiting for this moment for a long time. It's all about the team. We can finally say that. Well, I hope you enjoyed Episode 10, Season 3 of Leave Sky, and hope you come back next week for Episode 11.